Michael here, and I'm back for some more postseason coverage of LEGO Masters on my podcast, Talk Bricks Masters. And for this one, I was lucky enough to sit down with the Bearded Builders finalist team, Mark and Boone. But don't worry, we're going to have some more postseason coverage coming up soon, as next I'm going to be speaking with the other finalist team, Sam and Jessica. So if you have any questions for them, I'll leave my social media handles in the show notes. Or you can always leave me a comment on my weekly LEGO news video on my YouTube channel, Talk Bricks, which comes out tomorrow. And without much further ado, here we go. So I'm back with another guest, and this was a highly requested team. We've got Mark and Boone, the Bearded Builders, here on the podcast. So say hi to everyone at home, guys. Hi. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Well, we're so happy to have you. Honestly, you guys were a fan favorite of ours here on the podcast when we talked about all the builds each week. We were totally rooting for you guys all the way just through the entire show. And uh, you guys were just so much fun to watch. So we're so lucky to have you guys with us today. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us. Well, perfect. When it comes to the show, obviously, we saw so much of you guys and your journey on the show. But I did want to start us off with a little bit of before Lego Masters, just to get to know you guys a little bit bit more. So when it came to Lego, what really drew you guys into the hobby? Like what was your Lego formative experience? I think for me, what drew me in uh, to Lego building is I love building. I've always been building stuff, whether it's out of wood or metal or anything. And then getting back into Lego as an adult has been pretty much awesome because you can build something and it can be really cool and really amazing and then show it off. And then you can take it apart with the same parts build something completely different and so i love that because it's just endless creativity yeah i i feel very similar you know i built a lot of stuff out of wood and just various materials before i kind of dove back into lego and um it's just lego's so clean you know you don't make sawdust you don't drip paint um and you know those types of mediums are a lot of fun but uh i don't know i just feel like like lego is just so easy to sort of have an idea in your head and just start putting the elements together and come out with something that exists in the real world i think it's a very low barrier to entry right to sort of prototyping ideas and and creating stuff that looks cool so that's why i'm drawn to it yeah i mean that's great obviously that talk track you both of you gave around endless creativity i think speaks very directly to your final build. I mean, that was kind of the whole spirit of that. So it's great to see that not only is that what drew you into everything, but you know, that was well represented on the show, which is exciting. Yeah, thanks. When it came to the show itself, though, I'd love to hear about your journey getting on the show. Obviously, there's a large casting call. Was it something you guys proactively applied to together or were you guys reached out to by you know people in the casting process? I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you found the show or how the show found you. Yeah, we actually we did both. So I was at San Diego Comic-Con in July of 2019 and I, I sat in the audience of sort of a Lego like digital media kind of panel. So there were producers and writers and animators from Friends and Ninjago and uh, Isla Nublar. And and then at the end of that panel, sort of like the big announcement at the end of the panel was like, Lego Masters is coming to the United States. And guess what? The website to apply to be on the show is live now. And so the, the moment I walked out of that panel room, I called Mark and I said, Hey, Mark, do you want to apply for Lego Masters with me? And he was like, yeah. And then it took us, I think it took us about three weeks to actually submit our application. And in that time, we were approached by, you know, casting, uh, casting people on, you know, through Instagram. I think someone kind of had observed some of my YouTube stuff. So they approached us and in individually and said like, all right, are you interested in applying? Do you have a partner? 
Um, and we were like, yeah, we had some conversations and then they were sort of like, okay, the next step is submit your application. And, and that's how it went. Was it like a lengthy process? Was there a lot of rounds of interview or, or were you guys like the shoe in just cause you guys are fun characters? No, we never knew. Well, let's see. So it was all of August all of September and almost all of October um, that we were sort of in that process. So it was like a three month process and we never knew that we were in really until we got there. I guess at the at the beginning of October, we had the um, casting finals and there were about 30, I want to say like between like a Friday and a Saturday of casting finals, which included a couple of times challenges similar to what you see on the show. I think there were 30 teams, roughly 30 teams at casting finals and um you know they they whittled it down to only 10 but even even when we were on our way down to tape i remember having heard of shows you know similar type of reality competition shows where they might cut teams you know in the first couple of days before even taping you know they might get people there and sort of consider that like the final what would you call that sort of the final run of like casting um decision making and so i don't even think we were sure when we flew down to start taping i don't know that we were sure that we were in we certainly knew we were very, very close. And in the end, we were in. They flew 10 teams down and the show began with 10 teams. So yeah, when when they flew us down, there was like four days of, you know, you show up and you try on 25 different outfits and then you stand there for five minutes and then someone off camera that you never even see basically says yes or no. Like, so there's a bunch of that. And then filming like the promo stuff where we're like in the barber shop brushing each other's beards. And so like, even then it was like, is this real? Like, are we really doing this? Cause all we wanted to do is build. And we went down to build. And so all the four days of doing just random TV stuff was kind of weird. So finally, when we got into the build room and they were like, this is it. And Will Arnett's there and everything. Then that's when I think it kind of felt real and i think that weekend we finally unpacked our suitcase because we thought we were gonna stay so yeah (laughs) that's great when it came to your prep for the show did you guys do any challenges yourself at home or any trials or or any pre-show strategy sessions just about how you'd approach everything if you made the show or if you once you were on it yeah for part of the stuff we submitted, we submitted a lots of pictures through the application process. And one of the things Boone and I did, because I think they asked for just video footage of us building together. And we decided to basically set a three-hour time limit and then get as far as we can on this build and see kind of what we can do. And we filmed the whole thing. And then we sent it to them. So I think they liked that we did a timed build together. So that's, we kind of did prep with that. Yeah, no, that's great. You know, you mentioned finally seeing the studio, Will Arnett, everything's there. I mean, your reactions in that first episode were priceless. I mean, what was it like as the true fans that you guys are, you know, big in the in the Lego community, just to walk into a space like that? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, it was pretty amazing the first time. Well, the first time we actually saw the set, they were still building it. So this was like the first day we, they flew us in super early. They took us right from the airport to where it was filmed. We didn't go to the hotel first. And so it was like this trailer where all the cast was, had all their suitcases in there and everything. And we didn't know anyone and it was so crowded. But then 
they would tell us this was when they were like having us try on wardrobe stuff. And then I remember Boone and I were some of the first people they brought in to see like the set. And I remember first walking in while they're even still building it and they were stocking those bins with bricks already. And it was just amazing. It was, it was basically just like, uh, that feeling of like when you're a kid and you go to the like the the candy store or the toy aisle with like your grandma because you know you're gonna get something like <laughs> and, and like it's like I remember thinking my imagination just started going nuts of like I want to look through all these bins I want to do it. but you know you, you got to go and do what they tell you to but it was it was pretty amazing the thing I remember really noticing that that just kind of blew my mind was we had some imagination about what the brick pit was going to look like we had some imagination about like you know those big overhead lights that look like the underside of a two by three or a two by four or whatever and those are similar to what we saw like in the first season of australia and so you know we had some frame of reference for that stuff but it was the really subtle stuff like the colors of the walls and there was sort of like these translucent orange parts of the wall with like light they were illuminated from behind. And that really reminded me of like Space Ice Planet or Nexo Nights. You know, it had this very like Lego color palette feel to it. And then there were these sort of pillars on the walls that were like every 10 feet or so, there was like this sort of pillar. And, and you sort of see that if you watch the show. But the bottom foot part of those pillars had two angles. And the first angle was like the same angle of like a, a two by two by three sloped brick was sort of like that, that really sharp angle. And then the next angle was like a two by two by one slope brick. And it was like, so even in the angles of the architecture of this room, they, they were like paying attention to like, uh, you know, Lego geometry and and that was unexpected to me. And, and I, I found it really intriguing. Well, it obviously takes a true fan to even notice those angles and all of that sort of detail. So I love that. Right. And I feel like that's something I would have probably geeked out over too. You mentioned the Australian version of the show. And obviously, I didn't know this at the time, but a lot of your show's format was very similar to the Australian version. Had you been like very intimately familiar? Like, had you seen all the episodes of the Australian version prior to joining the show? Or was it just something you were more just tangentially familiar with? When we got down to L.A. in that first few days, they highly recommended that we be familiar with the Australian show. Before that, I probably only seen clips on YouTube. But Boone and I, I think Sam got us a copy somehow. And we would watch it in the hotel room while we were building, just practicing motor stuff and and watching that and kind of getting ideas of how it was filmed and kind of like what to expect kind of thing. So I don't even know if we actually finished it. <laughs> we did, but it took us a while. I think we were a couple of weeks into the competition before we finished Australia. Yeah, that's so funny. You were thrown right into the gauntlet of Lego Masters, that very first episode, you know, the Dream Park theme park. But I'm curious to get a sense from you guys about how you approached any given challenge. You know, certainly every challenge was vastly different, but I have to imagine that there were certain principles that you guys kept as a team about division of labor and how to think through the approach to a challenge. Like what was your concepting you know, phase going to be like? So I'd love just to hear about from your perspective, you know, what was the Mark and Boone way of approaching any Lego Masters challenge? Yeah, I think, you know, we went into it really knowing what each other's strengths were. Like I think generally speaking, Mark is sort of the faster builder 
particularly when it comes to like buildings and landscape. And so we knew that like he could always just dive into that stuff and get us a long ways down the road. Um, I think typically I'll sort of try to wrap my head around like what is the what is like the technical problem or the technical challenge to solve, you know, for this for each particular build. And so I would often spend the first couple of hours, you know, trying to build like some signature part of the build stylistically or technically speaking, while Mark was really headed down the road uh, of like um, getting us, you know, the foundation or the structure of whatever we were building. But as far as like ideas at the beginning of each challenge, it was really like whichever one of us had an idea first was sort of like an, an idea is more valuable than no idea. So whether it was my idea or Mark's idea that was sort of like got us headed down a path, we were fairly quick, generally speaking, to to get on board with each other, you know. And then it was like once we kind of got headed in a direction, it was very easy for us to just be like, oh, well, what about this or what about this? And then we would start making lists in our head or, you know, lists on our tablet or on a piece of paper so that we didn't forget things. But um, I don't know. That That's sort of my recollection of it. Yeah, pretty much. I think my answer is the same. I think it took probably two or three episodes to get in kind of a find our group find kind of get familiar with the brick pit to like figure out what the judges were looking for that was a big thing too or the brick masters was to listen to their feedback and really listen to what the challenge was that they were presenting us with and never forgetting like the creativity, the storytelling and like the technical ability because that's what they're looking for in every challenge so we really focused on that and then there was a couple builds where they came over for a check-in and it was kind of like uh, they didn't seem happy or impressed like with what we've done. So it was really motivating to like pick it up and, and get going. We always approach things as like a positive and we really tried to listen to them. So it paid off. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously it did. You guys did so well. So that reminds me of the cut in half challenge episode three. You guys were given the laptop computer, definitely struggling a little bit to kind of get motivated around that concept. But they had an interesting judging mechanic in that episode where there was a top five and a bottom five halfway through the challenge. So obviously that judging feedback really lit a fire under you guys. But I love your perspective on that challenge just as a standout, just because I think that that was one of those ones where you guys really rallied and ended up with something really exceptional. That was one of my least favorite challenges. <laughs> yeah, to be in the in timeout on the halfway mark was definitely eye-opening and we had kind of a rocky start because we were just so unmotivated with that dumb laptop and so once once we got like our story we just had to build our story and so then it got a little easier and will's pep talk during that was phenomenal <laughs> you know i think in the beginning of that challenge we just we had a hard time coming up with an idea but i feel like the direction that we were headed by the halfway mark we certainly didn't feel like we were headed in a direction that was going to leave us in the bottom half of the room but we just literally had not built enough to show that we were in the top half so we weren't we ended up in the bottom half and i think it actually if, if if my memory serves me correctly, I, I think that there were nine teams at that time because Kara and Jesse had gone home the week before. And so there was a there was the top five and the bottom four. And who was over there in the bottom four? It was us and it was um Manny and Nestor, Crystal and Corey and Travis. There were 
five. And so at the bottom four, you had the two teams that ended up in the bottom two. And then and then the third team, I think sort of like you you kind of I think understand from the last like from the final review of that challenge that they could have been close to ending up in the bottom two. And I think we were the team that really, you know, from that bottom four, we really sort of like turned a corner and were able to produce by the end of the challenge something that we were really proud of. The spirit in the room at that time at the end of that challenge was like, oh my gosh, we can't believe like how big you guys built after being in the bottom, you know, the bottom half of the pack at the half point. And people loved how clean it was and people loved our story. I think in the end, the the Brickmasters wanted to reward you know, more beautiful sculptures. And I think they did that. But but anyway, we were really proud of it. And it was sort of a, a moment that began to convince us that, like, that we were up to the challenge, that even in a challenge where we started out with not having a lot of motivation, not having a lot of great ideas, we were able to do something that we were pleased with by the end of the, the time. And then we and, and then we won our first challenge the very next week. I was just about to say that. Yeah, it was a huge turning point for you guys because you would go on a tear the next few episodes winning the episode four challenge, five, and both episode six challenges, you know, the car and the bridge challenge. So really did feel like a huge turning point just in the overall story. Certainly, I love your perspective on, you know, some of your wins, but whether it's one of those winning challenges or whatever it might be, which of the challenges, you said this one was one of your least favorite, but which one was some of your actual favorites? Uh, For me, I would say the mega city build was one of my favorites with Pop's food cart tower. And then the bridge challenge was really fun because basically with that one it had to look good and it had to hold a lot of weight it didn't have to really tell a story it didn't it had to work it had to function so i remember doing that one and just thinking well we're not building a bridge we're building something that looks like a bridge that can hold a lot of weight and so we were i was focused on that so that was that was a I like that one. You know, it's interesting because we get asked a lot like what are your what were your favorite builds? What were your favorite challenges? And those aren't necessarily the same question, right? Or at least they don't necessarily always have the same answer. Because I think like my favorite builds are probably the food cart tower, Pops food cart tower, and maybe Artopia, our our final challenge build. But I think good versus evil was the most fun we had in the challenge from my perspective. I feel like it was really fun to work together. It was really fun to do some of the pieces that were like individual components of that challenge. Uh, I feel like we had a great time working with Sam and Jessica. Terry Crews showed up and burst through the wall. And, you know, we had some really hilarious conversations with Will during that episode. So that was, that was like maybe one of my favorite challenges, not necessarily my favorite build, but yeah, anyway, that was a lot of fun to me. And the, the bridge challenge, you know, the other thing too is like the, the Pinewood Derby at the beginning of that bridge challenge was just awesome. And it was so fast. It was the shortest, you know, it was a 30 minute challenge in a competition where all of the other challenges are some number of hours, you know, some as many as 15 or 24 hours. And just trying to crank that thing out in 30 minutes was wild and, and hilarious and fun. And then we won and it was like over so fast. You know, we were able to move on to the bridge challenge and we we had a great time in the bridge challenge too. But yeah, that was a really great moment when you guys won, because I think we also got our first taste of some real strategy happening on the show with the extra time that you guys were given. You went straight for the Lego Technic pieces in that build. And I'm very curious to hear from you guys. Was there any other strategy moments? I was thinking even about the original Timber Town that I expected everyone to get to a roller coaster, but it might have just been that only two teams did because you grabbed all the roller coaster parts. So I'd love to hear your thoughts in terms of what strategy elements did you guys employ in in that regard? Or were there any ones that maybe we didn't get to see so much of on the show? The thing about the roller coaster 
is interesting because um, I think everyone in the room thought everyone's going to build a roller coaster. And so almost no one in the room built a roller coaster because everyone thought everyone was going to build a roller coaster. I didn't care how many other people were going to build a roller coaster because I knew that I could build. I mean, my intention was to build something, to build a roller coaster in a way that no one had ever seen before. And so I thought that we would be able to have an edge in that way. And in the end, it didn't really matter because nobody else had a working roller, like nobody had a working roller coaster in that challenge. And I'm just, I'm glad that we at least get a glimpse of the timber tower, you know, working during the challenge and it doesn't ultimately work at the end of the challenge. But I don't know, Mark, do you remember any moments in the competition that were sort of like more strategic? Um, I think towards the end of the competition, we were a little bit quieter about what we were building and we would like even whisper it to Will or the Brickmasters, like keep it quiet because it, it was a competition and people were, you know, they would get ideas or inspired by stuff other people were doing. And, you know, we're all friends and everything, but, you know, if, if you're really loud about what you're building and everyone knows what you're building, then it might spark something in their imagination. I remember when you were building the super computer for the good versus evil, you were working on it. And then we had a break. I don't know if it was for the end of the day or for lunch or something. And you hid that thing in our cubby because you didn't want Aaron to see it. <laughs> Because you knew you would build something like that. And the, what you were doing with that was like something people haven't done on the show, you know, with the motors that were turning and hitting the light bricks at different times. So we, and then during like the, we were hiding like our book chicken and the horse to, could do gymnastics. Because if people don't think you have those built, then they're, they're feeling pretty good about what they have built. And towards the end of the competition, you kind of keep your cards a little closer to the, to your chest. Yeah. And there was this moment in the good versus evil challenge we knew we would be down to the bottom three teams and um we suspected that that three teams might go to the finals and we sort of had from the beginning we just we didn't think that a two-team finale would be very interesting so we didn't know you know we as far as we knew in good versus evil the fourth team could have gone home and then the third team could have gone home in the next challenge in star wars and then uh you know we would have had two teams in the finale. But um, either way, we were really the team that we didn't want to be in the finale with because we knew they were incredible builders. Uh, and at the same time, we did not want to lose to them. Um, you know, sort of like we'd always always had this sentiment that if, if we lost to Amy and Tyler, that would kind of make sense to us and we would be okay with it. And like, we wouldn't be disappointed, but we did not want to, we did not want to lose to Aaron and Christian. And so when we were teamed up with Sam and Jessica in the Good versus Evil challenge, and we had the golden brick and we could have done nothing. We could have uh, done our worst and we could have not helped them succeed. And um, then we could have played the golden brick and we would have been safe. But in the end, we decided we wanted to help them. And I think, you know, we just, we wanted to have a little bit of integrity to like be a part of, you know, the team that we had been placed in. So we just decided we wanted to build as best as we could. We wanted to help them build as best as they could. And in the end, I think it worked out for us. We, we definitely were thinking about it strategically. I remember we talked about that in the beginning of the challenge, you and I did, about how, you know, we have to use the golden brick and we could just build whatever. 
But then we came up with like, you know what, we are in this competition to do every challenge to the best of our ability. And so that's what we decided to do. Plus, you know, to help Sam and Jessica out as much as we could and to work together because that was the challenge was work together as one big team. So yeah, and actually, we got a couple great moments from you guys during that episode in terms of the teamwork of it all. I loved how your scenes physically connected. And you might have to correct me if I'm wrong in terms of understanding the edit. But there seemed to be a point where like Sam was working on the sidewalk and you were working on the street lamps, Mark, and it was really like adorable that you guys were collaborating that way. Yeah, we kind of talked to them early on about let's have this idea where it all matches up. And so when you step back, it'll look like one big build. And so we came up with our street level height and then our basement, you know, what we were doing in it, we were communicating. And then we actually pushed our tables together really early on in the competition. You really have to watch the editing to see it. But yeah, we, we pushed all our tables together and just had one mega table because we wanted to make sure that our build looked unified. And, you know, that middle section, we were all doing our best to contribute to that. Yeah, Sam, you know, stopped for a little bit and he was building little park benches and trash cans and stuff. And we use those consistently all the way across in all three builds. So that was that was kind of cool. So it just made it really unified. And it was really fun to what other chance were we going to have in this competition to basically build Lego with two other people, you know, another team. So we were we were having a great time. Yeah, so we had the golden brick. We knew we were going to play it in the good versus evil challenge. Sam and Jessica had sort of always felt like they were the underdogs and they were just they were doing their best. They were at this point in the competition, they were actually hitting a pretty good stride of their own. But they, you know, they never thought that they would get as far as they did. Uh, and so really, neither of us had anything to lose. Aaron and Christian and Amy and Tyler, they still felt like they had to play their own games, right? They had to play their independent team team games. Yes, they had to come together in that challenge, but they were still holding their own secrets, you know. But Mark and I partnering up with Sam and Jessica, we just kind of like it was no holds barred. It was like we're just going to put it all out there. We're going to do as best as we can. We're going to help them do as best as they can. And it, it was a great challenge. Yeah, that, that one was a really good one. And your dynamic was obviously a, a little bit more seamless than the Tyler and Amy, Aaron and Christian dynamic. So it was a really fun one to watch for us as well at home. When it comes to the next challenge, though, I have to imagine that you two were pretty excited. The Star Wars challenge, I have to imagine that this is like almost like the peak of the season. So I'd love to get your thoughts just around, you know, what it was like during the Star Wars challenge and, you know, kind of the general thoughts around getting to do something from Star Wars. When we walked out there and we saw the Star Wars, the giant Star Wars logo and the stars, like these light effects that were sort of like making the stars look like they're zooming around the walls. And we were just flabbergasted. At least I know I was. I'm not the world's biggest Star Wars fan, but I was probably the biggest Star Wars fan on Lego Master. I really love it. You know, it takes me back to my childhood. I have a lot of Star Wars stuff. I have a relatively decent amount of Star Wars Lego, um, although that's kind of a whole other story. I've been there and seeing BB-8 roll out seeing R2-D2 roll around and getting to interact with C-3PO, it was just, it was really incredible and really wild. And, and I almost feel like at that stage in the game, it was almost hard to focus on the competition anymore. You know, it was like... Star Wars was so unlike anything we had done before in the competition. It was, you know, the only kind of like third party licensed property that, you know, was brought into one of the challenges. And I was kind of blown away that they were able to do Star Wars. It seemed like 
a dream, you know, and, and that sort of contributed to this sense of like, you know, it, it renewed that sense that we had at the beginning of the competition of like, are we actually here? Is this actually happening? Is this real life? And, and I think we had lost a little bit of that sort of sentiment you know, by challenges like four, five, six, seven, you know, we're really just in the thick of it. And in Star Wars, for me, really sort of like plucked me back out to this like euphoria of this once in a lifetime experience. That makes sense. Yeah. What about for you, Mark? What were your thoughts about the Star Wars challenge? I was really excited about it. The droid part was interesting because that's typically Boone and I will build stuff with a lot of motors and we knew we could do really well. And we crammed so many motors and battery packs into that tiny little droid. I remember during the judging of that, we were still just kind of, it was on the podium and we were kind of making them move around and stuff. And then I caught Will a couple of times looking over and then he'd smile because like our droids just kind of like wiggling around like, but that's like when other people are trying to present theirs and stuff. But yeah, we were having fun with that one. It was crazy to see like BB-8 and R2-D2 and even C-3PO was, it was crazy. C-3PO gave us the best quote. So here's something about Boone and I. On our surface, we would always write motivational quotes to each other. Like you'd run to the brick pit and I would write on there, you were awesome. And then I would put it right where he's like working and he'd come back and he'd be like, yes. And then so uh, C-3PO gave us a quote that was like, uh, remember what it took to get here. Remember how far you've come and you didn't come to lose. So, and he gave it like when we were building Endor and we wrote that down on the tablet and we we're like, yes, that was so cool because it came from C-3PO and like, it was really motivating. And we had such a fun time building the Imperial bunker on Endor. It was, it was so much fun. So I, had, that was a blast. That was one of my favorite, like how Boone was saying the uh, good vi- versus evil was it was a fun one to do but it wasn't necessarily your favorite star wars for me was like that it was really fun but it probably wasn't my favorite one but it was one of my favorite ones i don't know i'm not making any sense but you know what i mean it was just a blast because like there's droids rolling around and like it's already tough to run to the brick pit already but now you got to watch out for like bb8 and stuff (laughs) yeah i didn't want to be the one to kick across the build room but yeah it was it was fun yeah that was a really great final build and i think that one of the real standouts for me was your usage of the minifigures that scene right in front of the bunker was so dynamic i loved the laser bolt effect that you guys used with the bricks and i think that minifigures was actually one of your guys's superpowers in a lot of the builds you know i think about the terror on the minifigures face as it's running down the pier in your movie genre challenge I think of, you know, all the different minifigures running away from the hot dogs and the Pops Tower of uh, Food Cart Challenge. So any thoughts just around that in terms of the role that minifigures played in your final builds? Well, we're really good at making food evil and then having run away from them. (laughs) A lot of our builds had minifigs running in for their life. But yeah, we like to just tell little stories. And I think it was the first challenge Brickmaster Amy was telling us like, because we didn't have a lot of minifigs in there. And that was some of her critiques was like, we had these little food stands with no one serving the food in them. And so from then on, we just tried to like, we'd go get a bunch of minifigs and then make sure there was little tiny stories happening everywhere and that there was no dead space or anything. And it's definitely because we build pretty much minifig scale at home. So it just seemed fun to do because that's always the fun part 
in any build you do to create those little scenes and the little moments happening. For instance, Artopia, like the big building will draw you in, but once you get closer, you can see every little minifig has a purpose in what they're doing. Out of all of the ones we've done, that had the most minifig stories in it. So Yeah, for Mark and I, I think we were very interested from very early on in trying to listen to the Brickmasters. And we got the sense that the Brickmasters liked minifigs. <laughs> and liked to see stories told with the minifigs. We, you know, we kind of became intentional about that, particularly from, if you think like uh, the movie challenge on, and it was sort of like movie challenge was that first time when you really see us using those minifigs in some really dynamic storytelling ways. And we felt like we were rewarded for that, you know, when they when they selected us to win that challenge. And then we carried that into Pop's food cart. And we carried that on to the Star Wars challenge and the Artopia. And before Lego Masters, I looked at minifigs as sort of like a piece of a build. Like a building doesn't make sense if it doesn't have some minifigs in it. Or like a vehicle doesn't make sense if it doesn't have someone driving it. But the Brickmasters on Lego Masters really, I think, helped me think about what is that story? How do you take this? How do you take this model from just sort of representing a thing to like really inviting people into a world and populating that world with with realness and, and with those stories? Um, and, and I think that'll have an impact on the way I build, the way we build, um, you know, with Lego for the rest of our lives. Definitely. A lot of your stories were, you know, some of the reasons that you won challenges. You know, I think about Jamie's multiple of comments about the Ewoks banging on the ATSD, about the Ewok flying on the speeder bike. You know, it was really those stories that really often propelled you guys beyond. And your thought about the minifigures trying to include them in everything. You know, Mark, you had mentioned for the bridge challenge that there didn't need to be a story, but you guys were the only team that had minifigures on the bridge. That was something that I noticed as part of my, my watch for the podcast. So yeah, I mean, it's great to see that you guys use a lot of that to help differentiate yourself. Aaron and Christian had figs on their bridge. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I guess I should have been more eagle-eyed. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure we had minifigs first. Yeah, there is no proof of who put the minifigs on at the same time or or who put them on first. But both Aaron and Christian and then Boone and I, we had construction minifigs on both our bridges. And so it's kind of, hmm, hmm. And we had a whole story that we were going to try to tell with that bridge that... Yeah. We, just, we just ultimately didn't have time to tell. Yeah, we were have the minifigs still building the bridge on one side and like all these construction figs on one side. And then we were going to do like on the other side, like the grand opening of the new bridge with people cutting the ribbons and stuff. But we... Yeah, we were down to like, you know, minutes. And I told Boone, like, just go get a bunch of minifigs. And like, we, we couldn't have done the like the townspeople having a little festival for the new bridge while on the other end, they're still building it. And that was that was going to be our story for the bridge challenge. But we, we didn't. Uh, apparently, we didn't need to finish that story. <laughs> well, you know, the bridge challenge was definitely one of the most dynamic of all the challenges. And I think you mentioned it earlier, Mark. It was also the only challenge that was just a raw technical build. You know, it was really not about as much the story or the aesthetics is these sort of technical first builds is that something that you'd like to see in a season two if they get a season two kind of more of these can you build it build i would like to see that i i think like what you're saying like that bridge challenge was so fun to watch because it was so exciting and it was even more exciting in person because it you're literally putting a bunch of weight on something you built 
to see how much it can hold. So it's like, even if it held 150 pounds, it's just still exciting to see how much it could hold. So yeah, any challenge like that, if they do a season two, like that's probably going to be one of my favorite challenges uh, to watch. So yeah, I, I think it's interesting that, um you know, if you if you think there were, there were two challenges in that episode, and there were two challenges in the Star Wars episode. So there, there really were 12 challenges across season one of Lego Masters on Fox. And 10 of those challenges were judged subjectively. It, we know what they're looking for, but when it comes down to it, it is the judge's prerogative to choose the winners. But the bridge challenge and the derby cars were the two challenges that were predominantly based on objectivity right? The empirical evidence of which one went fastest, which one held the most. And Mark and I won both of those challenges. And I think that speaks to something about the technical nature of our builds. At the same time, we were able to learn those storytelling and creative aspects to remain in the competition until the very end. So I I think it would be cool to see a more balanced assortment of, of those challenges. And if this is going to be a show that has the chance of going on and on for years, which, you know, I certainly hope it is, they're going to have to push the envelope every time and get more and more creative. Yeah, so I would definitely love to see more of that more of like just like can it be done who can create i would love to see like an rc car challenge where it's like who can make the fastest rc car that runs like a quarter mile or something like that you know and maybe not a quarter mile but (laughs) but just like because some people in those challenges if they're sculptors they're going to be really hard pressed to to push themselves beyond their comfort zone to you know come up with uh with you know their response to those type of challenges but anyway it's all interesting to me. Yeah, it sort of makes me feel like the challenge I would like to see that reminds me of is a Rube Goldberg machine. You know, some sort of contraption challenge where you have to build some sort of, you know, crazy contraption. You know, one thing that I'll just circle back to, Mark, you mentioned all the quotes that would keep you guys motivated. And I think you guys were probably one of the most quotable teams on the show with so many great one-liners and things in your talking head moments. I have one written down here in my notes as a preparation for today, which was Mark's quote that you said, which was, your enthusiasm keeps me alive. And I'd love to just get a sense from you guys what it meant to work together throughout this whole, you know, endeavor. I think you guys were friends from the onset. And I think, you know, that wasn't entirely true for all the teams. So I'd love just to get a sense from you guys what it meant to work together and get to do this together. Yeah, we, we've been friends for years. We've done large scale builds together before, but not like timed where that clock's ticking down. And so we really, really tried to keep a positive attitude and to encourage each other because if Boone was feeling down, I would try to, you know, motivate him and, and pick him back up. And then he would do that to me too. And we, and if we had a disagreement, we would talk through it. And because ultimately we're a team and we need to work together and we need to encourage each other because if we're having fun doing this, then it's going to show in our build. But if we're not having fun and we're stressed out and, you know, whatever, it, it'll show in our build too. So we really tried to make sure we went into every challenge with just a positive attitude and we encouraged each other. And we would just say stupid little stuff like that just to make the other person smile a lot of the times. Yeah. <laughs> I felt incredibly blessed, gifted to have been able to share this experience with Mark. And, you know, some of the people, some of the competitors in this, competition were, you know, people that the production company were interested in or, you know, builders or personalities that 
casting was interested in that were not able to get there with someone who was close to them. So they ended up there with someone who they didn't know. You know, other people were, you know, like brothers or friends who hadn't seen each other in years and coming back and relearning like how to do this stuff together. Other teams were people who only knew each other online and respected each other and had rapport, you know, in sort of the virtual space, but were coming together for the first time. But I was lucky enough to have a person who not only was one of the only people I would have wanted to spend this time with, but also happens to be one of the most incredible Lego builders I know. And that was why in that moment, in those first moments that I knew this show was going to be a thing, I called Mark because it was like, it was a no brainer. And I was like, Mark and I are going to try this thing. And I thought like, we're going to be unstoppable. And really, we never knew, you know, we never knew if we were going to make it onto the show. We were never 100% sure. We never, you know, I think for the first half, for the first half of the competition, we weren't sure, you know, but in the end, we, we kicked butt. <laughs> and it was awesome. And it was, it was incredible to spend that time with Mark. Um, and I think we just grew to like, understand and learn and, and trust each other even more than we ever had. And, you know, we also made incredible relationships with the other people that were on that show. And for Mark and I to be able to share that time with all those other people and, and, and you know, nobody else from our lug or our local convention or um, the people that we just kind of go through life with, nobody understands that the way that Mark and I understand it together, right? And, and, and we will just always share that with those people for the rest of our lives. That's so great. Obviously, it was a very, very supportive show, far more supportive than most of the competition shows that you probably see on TV. So I'd love to get a sense from you guys. You know, you said you made some great friends, but what were some of the moments maybe on set or offset that we didn't get to see that you think would be notable, you know, for the fans of you guys on the podcast to hear about? So there was this one time during the Mega City Build Challenge, the clock is still running, but it's past the time that the camera crew can work and the lighting crew and everyone. So they send those people home and then we're left with like uh, some production assistant people babysitting us. And, you know, we're all in there. And since there's no cameras, we can kind of, you know, just wear whatever we want and uh, say whatever we want and, and not have to worry about being filmed. But there was that night, Flynn and Boone started singing together because our tables were next to each other. And it was basically like they were singing together while we were all building. And the whole room, it was so quiet in there. All you could hear is them singing. And then like Sam would chime in and start singing. And then I just remember thinking like that was so much fun to because we never got music when we were building and building at home. I like to listen to music. And the only music we got is if Boone was singing. So we did a lot of singing. But anyways, yeah, that night it was it was pretty cool because everyone was super tired. I think it was it was even before the twist we had. And it was it was probably like what, like 830, nine o'clock at night. We've been there since six o'clock in the morning. And then just to have that calming song singing session while we were building was really fun. Yeah. The one I always talk about is when we went to Disneyland with Mel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that was just so much fun. I've been to Disneyland over and over again. Mel had never been to Disneyland before. And so we were able to kind of watch him go, you know, do kind of ride after ride do all these things that he had never done before. And it was just hilarious. And he was having such a great time. But it was so much fun to watch him, you know, like a kid, you know, do all these things for the very first time. Yeah. And seeing Mel like on uh, what was that? The, the Guardians of the Galaxy ride where it like drops you. 
and he he didn't know what to expect and he was screaming so loud because you think of him he's tough he's a really tough guy which he is but to see him on the guardians of the galaxy ride screaming at the top of his lungs hanging on to people like oh my god oh my god like it was it was hilarious <laughs> and then we get off and he's like we get off the ride he goes i'm not ever doing that again you guys got me again and you're not gonna get me another time and then we take him to like space mountain or something <laughs> and then he's screaming again but yeah, yeah. that was that was a fun day tyler and amy when we talked to them they mentioned your birthday took place during the show and that that was a really fun night that was a fun night yeah it was right around thanksgiving time too and so everyone pretty much bought a lot of lego when they were down there like on weekends so they could still build kind of to fight the boredom that is the hotel rooms so we went to boone to stay uh, yeah, you got to keep up with your skill. We dumped out a bunch of just bolt Lego on the on the bed. And then, um, yeah, we did build challenges where it was like a five minute time to build and you have to build a spaceship. And then I think they even did like a twist on one of them where they stopped it halfway and you had to pass it to the person on your left. And then they had to continue building what you were already like working on so that that was a fun night i'll tell you what the stuff tyler could build with just a handful of pieces in you know five or seven minutes was was pretty impressive you know we we knew he was the real deal at that point we had a lot of fun that's great that's great you know when it came to the finale and like the final challenges you know that's one area that we haven't touched on yet and i definitely don't want to end the podcast without touching on it i'd love just to hear your thoughts about how you approach this last challenge it was you could build whatever you want and certainly that is a very exciting proposition but it could also be very daunting because you could get kind of the writer's block of it all what could i possibly build that would encapsulate us and really do us justice. So I'd love just to hear your thoughts around the finale and how you approached the Artopia build. Well, started with the mock-up. We had this little mock-up of what our ideal was, which was the original Tower of Creativity. And they didn't really touch upon it too much in editing, but we were going to make it so you could actually pull out each level. And so if it was this giant tower and think of it as like if it was at someone's house and a bunch of kids wanted to play together and you could pull out each little section and then inside each section would have like a different representation of creativity. So like cooking or painting or woodworking or anything, you know, and we had a whole list uh, playing music and stuff. Um, but we loved the idea of that. But then the Brickmasters were not too thrilled with the fact it looked very similar to Pop's Food Cart or the Cut in Half Challenge with the white clean white with the colors you know and Boone and I had this moment where we had to remember what we've done in the past and Boone actually wrote down on the the surface past builds that we've done together that like some of them have even won awards and like before before Lego before Masters sure Lego Masters and the concept of what we wanted to do we just had to show it in a way that was different from what we've done before. So after Boone wrote that list down, we got the idea because I, I prior to Lego Masters have ever built as clean as I did and polished on Lego Masters because I usually build like apocalyptic builds or these big buildings with, you know, spaceships and mechs and stuff and a real dystopian future kind of thing. So it took us kind of reminding ourselves where we came from um, to get into that mindset of what we wanted to show and how we wanted to show it. So the idea was that because we were told it needed to be a 360 build, you could walk around any side of the build and there was no real front or back to it. So we knew that was one of the rules. So we just we had this apocalypse building where it was all blown out on one side and then we were able to just show you could 
it was one of those things where the building draws you in. And then when you get closer, you just see all these mini pig stories everywhere. And our idea was we just wanted to represent everyone besides just Lego builders, anyone that is creative and everyone has it in them to be creative. And we wanted to kind of represent all those people too. So that's what we were doing. Yeah. I mean, it was very illustrative, the build itself. I have a whole page of notes of all the different vignettes that you were talking about, because I always figure this is a podcast. Everyone's going to have seen the building. But if you listen to the podcast, you're going to get every single detail that you didn't get on the show. So I went and took a full page of notes and there were so many unbelievable details in that one. I love the tree that's kind of growing with its roots through the floor. I loved just uh, all the different things like the fashion area. I feel like that was a piece that really didn't get called out on the show in any meaningful way, but it was a huge surprise to me as another way to be creative. So yeah, it was a really fun one. So one of the areas that you guys were really touted for though, was that function. You know, you were the first team to use a color sensor to have the building transform in that really amazing, spectacular way. And, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit of your thoughts around how that function came together and even just how much time something like that takes. Well, we used a color sensor for the roller coaster in Timbertown. That's what told the the coaster at the bottom to go back up. And then no one else used a color sensor until we got to the final build. And one of the things that they've mentioned to us that I don't remember them telling it or airing it on the show is that since it's going to be the winning display is going to be displayed at Legoland New York, it needs to have an interactive play function. So then that's when Boone's gear started turning and well, literally, and then he built that the interactive, like you have the paintbrush, you stick it in the paint can, and then the ugly walls are basically painted. The idea is what if somehow someone walking up to this build can actually participate in making an ugly part of the building more beautiful or more creative or more colorful or whatever. And so that was just sort of like the nugget of the idea. And then it was sort of like challenge of, well, how do we actually do that? Can we change part of the building from looking like run down shipping containers to like these beautiful murals or whatever? Just from there, it was like, well, okay. And like in my head, I thought I can build, theoretically, I can build part of a building that has four walls on each side. And if those four walls are all linked together with gears so that they can spin. And and so basically you've got this cube where the the outside you know is ugly to begin with and then some mechanical function happens to make all of those walls spin and now you see these like bright colorful you know uh, and even even sort of representative of different types of things it was sort of like paintings and and graffiti and um big music notes and sort of like this goofy smiling sunshine that was just kind of like all this blast of color and creativity on these previously ugly walls so then it was just like you know once we got that working mechanically it was sort of like well can we take it a step further and use that sensor with the lego powered up functions to make it happen with some sort of input and and in the case of artopia we made that input uh you know a color sensor with a paintbrush where you actually you take the paintbrush out of the can or you put the paintbrush in the can and then it's like you're participating in the beautification of this ugly building and and the walls turn around and and you've you've done something to participate in in the spirit of artopia definitely a, a fun thing to see because i remember like um before they brought all the all the uh the final three teams out for the final you know whatever up on the stage they let all those random people that they brought in like 
interact with your build. And so I guess what I heard was there was a line of kids using the paintbrush. They'd stick it in, the walls would turn around. So also with that, if you take that paintbrush out, the walls automatically will go back to the other way because it, it was sensing that color. So as soon as it's done sensing that color, it spins back around. So then it's ready for the next kid to come up and put the paintbrush in and interact with our build. Yeah. And, you know, one thing Mark mentioned was that your families came on that last episode. You know, that was a really amazing emotional moment, especially for you, Boone, with your daughters. So I'd love just to hear what it was like to have your families enter this world that you'd been kind of sequestered in for a long time. And now they're part of it, too. Yeah. Before that last episode, I hadn't seen my parents in probably like eight months or something because I was in the middle of moving and like life was getting crazy at the time. So, you know, and they were busy and I was always busy. So, and my mom would, when I told her I was going to be on the show, she automatically went and told everyone she knew and posted it on Facebook and everything. She is like our, probably our number one fan. And so to have them like come and see in person because they sat backstage, I didn't know they were going to come out, but they sat backstage and actually watched us on like big TVs. So they were watching us like the whole day they were there until they came out and then actually saw us in person. So it was really incredible and kind of just encouraging to have a familiar face show up and, and say good job, you know. Yeah, we suspected that families might be coming at some point in time, but we had no idea when. And um, they did a really good job of keeping it secret. Like I texted with my wife every day and we, we had literally been texting earlier that day. Can't wait to see you. And she was dying, right? Because she knew that she and the girls were on their way. They're like, she's texting me from the airport, you know, being like, like, oh, I can't wait until you come home. It's less than a week away. And, and at the same time, she's like on a plane, like flying to down to see us. So yeah, it was just crazy. And, and we were so ready to see anyone from home. And the fact that my wife and girls got to come and share part of that, right? Because they had to be without me for all of that time. And Danny, my wife had to had to hold down the fort and the kids had to, you know, basically have one parent for all that time. So for them to sort of have this like reward for their efforts, you know, because I got to be in the brick pit every day, we had the privilege of being in it. And we got to be in the brick pit, we got to build a Lego, and we got to have this incredible experience. But my wife and kids didn't have that experience until the finale. And then it was like, for that one day, for those moments, they were able to, you know, share in that incredible experience. And um, my wife and kids, you know, they, they got to talk to Will Arnett. And so now they feel like they feel like they made a connection with this person who's like, you know, the voice of Lego Batman. So it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, it was it was definitely wonderful to watch them run in. And you know, an interesting thing that you don't see in the in the finale, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, hit it, Mark. When we were absolutely done with our builds and the time the 24 hours just ran out, Will said something, you know, corny about uh, the the past cast members. And let's let's pay our respects by looking at the minifig case all the people that went home. And then it's, I was like, okay, whatever. We just got done building forever. We were just finished. Uh, and they opened the doors and the whole cast comes walking in. So there was that moment they didn't even show where like to see all 
everyone that we shared this experience with come walking back in and everyone kind of went to different tables and everyone's hugging. That was really emotional too, because it was like the whole time we've been watching people go home and now they're all back. And it was pretty emotional and pretty awesome to have that encouragement and everything. And But you see them at the very end, they're standing on the stairs, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing you mentioned, Boone, was that your kids got to meet Will Arnett, which would definitely be a dream of mine too. But I feel like you were the team out of all of them that probably had the tightest relationship with Will Arnett. You know, all of your singing and, and his uh, his uh, egging you on to continue to sing, you know, was a big part of the show. So I'd love just your thoughts around maybe being teacher's pet to Will Arnett. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. We had a great time with him. Um, I don't know. What would you say, Mark? Well, part of that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about when, because Boone is very outgoing. I usually kind of keep to myself. So we kind of got in this rhythm whenever Will came around or the Brickmasters or anything but especially Will because what you see is just like a, maybe a minute long clip of him being there but he would be there sometimes for like 15 minutes or 20 minutes it felt like just wanting to talk and hang out and everything so Boone we got into this rhythm where Boone and Will would just kind of entertain each other and have fun and then I was having fun too but I would just I would always keep building because that clock's not stopping so one of us has to keep building and keep stuff going so and then it just turned into a thing where will loved coming over because boone's singing songs and and we're joking um, there was a lot they never showed of when will would come to our table he was a lot of fun with all the singing boone you know have uh, have the record companies come a knocking you know i have to imagine someone wants you to lay down a track sometime soon yeah no i haven't been able to make any any music deals after Lego Masters, <laughs> I do get asked, I get asked to sing a lot. And, uh, you know, every now and then people are like, where can we have more of your music? And so I'll direct them to like a teeny tiny YouTube channel that whereas it's just a bunch of me like making music with people. But other than that, you know, nobody, nobody has reached out trying to pay me to sing. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when it comes to the show, obviously everything's over at this point, but w what's next for you guys? You know, anything that you guys are working on or things that you want the podcast to know about just a chance to plug something? <laughs> well, uh, I'm just working on big mega apocalypse builds. And then Boone and I, and a couple other guys from the area, we're, we're starting to talk about this collaboration build. Yeah, just more builds so that one day when conventions open back up, we can show show some big, awesome custom builds that we've done. Mark and I have done a little talking about developing a Lego Ideas project together. So, you know, we're not ready to talk about what that is yet. But, you know, my hope is that uh, in the next few weeks, we'll be able to start talking about uh, the Boone and Mark joint Lego Ideas project. I'm really excited about it. And I think the people who loved us on the show will be excited about it. So we just got to get our parts and, and build. Other than that, you know, I'm going to keep going on Boone Builds at, on YouTube. And Mark and I are selling, you know, our own sig figs and some t-shirts and stuff. At, you can get to it through boonebuilds.com. And really, if, it, if anyone's listening, we try our best to respond to everyone who reaches out to us through Instagram. You can find Mark is M-E or me Crookshank, M-E-C-R-U-I-C-K-S-H-A-N-K. -K. Is that right? Nice. And yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm Boone Builds, B-O-O-N-E-B-U-I-L-D-S. Instagram is a great place to hit both of us. And if you have any questions, you know, even individual viewers, you're welcome to send us a message on there and, and we do our best to try to get back to everyone. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for everyone's support. Well, that's 
that's great. Honestly, I think a lot of people are going to be missing you guys every Wednesday on their TV screen. So <laughs> just to know that there's going to be some future chances to stay in touch and all that sort of stuff, I think is going to be really exciting for people. Yeah, thank you. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, but thank you guys so much for giving us so much of it in terms of all the different time and all the stories for the podcast. This has honestly been so much fun for me. And it was one of the chances I was hoping I'd get as part of this process. So thank you guys again. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having us. That was just so amazing to talk to Mark and Boone. They're such great guys, and it was so much fun interviewing them. And don't forget, coming up next, we've got the other finalist team, Sam and Jessica, so be sure to get in your questions. And be sure to leave me a rating or review on iTunes or whatever service you're listening to this podcast on now, as it really helps others find the podcast. If you want to hear more from me and check out my weekly LEGO News videos, you can follow me at youtube.com slash talkbricks. And if you want to keep up with me on social media, I'm at talkbricks on all social media. And if you want to follow along with the podcast, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at TalkBricksMasters or on Twitter using the username TBMasters. Thanks again so much for listening and I'll talk to you all next week. Go build something amazing. (laughs) 